once upon a time in a wealthy kingdom far away. There lived a prince in his father's, the king's castle. And this prince was of a mature age and he had his daily routine and he had his activities and he had his wealth and he did princely things and he was quite happy because his father, the king, had seen to it that he was brought up carefully. And one day the prince got curious and he said to his charioteer, I think I'd like to go outside of the castle, outside of the palace and take a look around. So the charioteer got the horses, hitched them up to the chariot. The prince got in the chariot and they went outside the palace gates and they rode through the streets of the city of the kingdom that the prince, father, ruled. And as they were driving along on one of the streets, the prince looked to the side of the road and he saw an old person. And the prince, having lived inside the palace and being taken care of, and very protected, had never seen an old person. And he said to the charioteer, Hey, what's that? What happened to that person? And the charioteer said, Why, uh, Prince, that's, a, uh, that's an old person. That's uh, what happens to all of us human beings. As we grow old, we get wrinkles and we get stooped, and we get feeble. And the prince was pretty shook up. And he said, gee, I think I better go home. So the charioteer turned the chariot around and went back to the palace. Another day the prince was going about his princely chores and duties and uh, activities, and he said, uh, Gee, you know, I think I'd like to go out and take another look around. So he called the charioteer and he said, uh, please hitch up the horses to the chariot. I want to go out and take a look outside the palace gates. Charioteer hitched up the horses to the chariot. Prince got in the chariot. They drove outside the palace gates into the realm of the king. Driving along the streets in the city, Prince looked to the side of the road and saw a sick person lying on the side of the road, unable to get up. And the prince said to the charioteer, what happened to that person? Because the prince had never really seen a sick person like that before. And the charioteer said, uh, that person is sick. There's something wrong with his body, and they're weak, and they're unable to get up, take care of themselves. And the prince 
was really shook up and said, I think I better go home. And the charioteer took him back to the palace. And the prince continued on with his princely duties, responsibilities, and activities, safe and secure in the palace. And on another day, he got curious again. And he said, I think I better go out and take another look around. And so he called the charioteer and he said, uh, please hitch up the horses to the chariot. I'd like to go out and take a look outside the palace. Charioteer hitched up the horses to the chariot. The prince got in the chariot. They drove outside the palace gates into the surrounding neighborhood near the palace. Driving along one of the streets, the prince looked to the right side of the road and he saw a corpse lying beside the road. And the prince had never seen a corpse before. And he said to the charioteer, Hey, what's that? And the charioteer said, Why, prince, that is what happens to all human beings. We eventually die. And we're no longer able to speak and talk and move or know anything. And the prince had never seen a corpse. He never really understood that all human beings die. And he was really shook up and said, I think I better go home. And the charioteer took him back to the palace. And the prince went about his daily activities and responsibilities, safe and secure inside the palace. But he couldn't rest very easy. And he said one day to the charioteer, I think I better go out and take another look. Please hitch up the horses to the chariot. And the charioteer hitched up the horses to the chariot. The prince got in. They went outside the palace gates, driving along the streets of the realm. The prince looked to the side, and he saw a person standing very quietly <coughs> and serenely looking quite undistinguished. And he said to the charioteer, Hey, what's going on with that person? And the charioteer said, Why, Prince, that person is someone who has taken it upon themselves to look for the meaning of life to search for the Holy Grail, to try to understand what is going on here. And the prince said, I think I better go home. Went back to the palace, thought about what he had seen, decided that with all the safety and the security and the comfort and the wonderful pleasures and enjoyments of the palace and being prince. That he thought, even with all that, he would like to know the meaning of life. And he left the palace. He went outside the palace and became a renunciate, renounced 
the pleasures, the responsibilities, the enjoyments, the activities of the palace, and went to explore further and deeper into the realm of his father. After some years, this prince discovered the truth. And he taught the truth of what he had discovered to those who were curious and interested around him. I would like to welcome you to the realm outside the palace. For you are the prince and the princess. Something in your life has disturbed you and it brought you here. To look, to explore, to discover something greater than what you already know. We all want to be happy. Everything we do in life is somehow in the service of or in the pursuit of happiness. The work we do, the relationships we have, our entertainments, our activities, our conversations, the books we read, what we study, is all somehow in the service of trying to be happy. And we have arranged our lives in whatever way we have to provide for our needs, material needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. And we have created a very safe, secure, nourishing palace. But it doesn't contain everything that we feel we need. There is a realm beyond our safe, secure palace that needs exploration, that needs to be known, that we need to discover, to be whole, to be complete, to be fulfilled as a human being. Coming to a retreat like this, coming to a place outside of your familiar surroundings, your familiar relationships, your familiar activities and behavior, is an opportunity to retreat, to withdraw from the pressures, the stress, the busyness, the fear, the distractions of our daily life. And coming to a retreat like this gives us the opportunity to look more deeply into the nature of our being human. Having this body and what it feels like and does. Having this mind and what it does. Here we have the opportunity to look carefully, 
without the distractions and responsibilities of our daily life so that we can see deeply into the nature of being human, see what is below the surface and appearance of things. This place is a refuge. This place is a sanctuary. This is a place of solitude, a place where we can be together as a community of like-minded individuals in safety, pursuing a similar goal or task, where we can allow our curiosity and our respect for the most sensitive parts of ourselves to be present. Whatever sensitivity and tenderness and care we can feel towards ourselves is safe here. This is quite, I was just commenting to Damien, one of the managers, what a beautiful place this is for this type of work. It's quite Spartan. There's not much... Uh, decorations here. It's quite Spartan. Very little distraction. We don't need to get caught up in anything but ourselves. There's not much to do. So in that sense, this is an ideal place for being with ourselves because there are so few distractions here for us. So in one sense, it requires us or inspires us to be with ourselves sensitively without distracting and uh, anxiety and concern to do, to get, to become anything. So we're quite secluded here from the center of town and the activities of town. And the work we do here is work that we do alone. We do it in solitude. And I wonder if we have ever, or how frequently or how often, we take the time to make the space to go into that solitude, to be alone with ourselves, with our thoughts, with our feelings, with our body, without any demands on our time or energy or anything. And whether that solitude is frightening or ecstatic, whether it is a source of joy, a source of fear, a source of anxiety, only we can discover. But Krishnamurti says, the ecstasy of solitude comes when we are no longer frightened to be alone, when we are no longer attached to anything outside of us. Then, like the dawn that came up this morning, that ecstasy of solitude comes silently and makes a golden path in our stillness, which is at the beginning, which is now, 
and which will always be there. We don't have to make it, we don't have to create it, we don't have to go find it. It's here, we just need to see it. We just need to tune in to our inner solitude. It's there. What makes it possible to access that solitude and that ecstasy of solitude, that tremendous joy that comes with being with ourselves as we are, is the sincerity of our intention to be here. If we are really sincere in being here and looking and being with ourselves, you will discover that solitude and the joy of it. I like to ask people when they come on retreats like this, what brought you here? What condition in your life has forced you, pressured you, enticed you, asked you to come here? Curiosity, need, stress, what? Something has asked you to come here and to look and to, to, to undertake this period of time to be with yourself. Whatever it is contains the seed of wisdom. Whatever it is. doesn't matter what your reason is, and there's a different reason for each person in the room. But whatever it is, there is contained within it the seed of understanding and wisdom. What we do here over these next couple of days is to nourish that seed, to cultivate that seed so that that wisdom and understanding can grow. An opportunity like this to have a couple of days, three days, to, to, um, to be with ourselves, to be silent, to be undistracted, and to have no responsibilities. No one calling on the phone, no mail to answer, no meetings to attend, merely to be with ourselves. That opportunity is rare. It's more rare when we consider that we have the quiet time to be with ourselves, where we have two managers and two cooks that are willing to provide for us. And hopefully, I can help you in any way that I can to, to get the benefit of your time here. We don't have to look very far in our own life or in others' lives to see that such an opportunity is difficult to come by. It's just not available uh, every week or every month or every year. And in vast areas of the world today, whole countries, this opportunity is not available. For whatever reason, we should not take it for granted, but we should use this time really wisely by considering just how precious and valuable it is.
And while we're here, outside of our palace, but in the larger realm, we can take refuge in that seed of wisdom that has brought you here. Because within that seed of wisdom and understanding is the potential to awaken, to discover the truth of your life. And only you can discover that. There's no book and there's no teacher that's going to tell you. It's up to you. Take refuge in that seed of awakening. We're not taking refuge in our money, in our career, in our spouse, in our car, in our parents, or anything else here. We're taking refuge in that seed of understanding that brought us here. So what we'll do here, very simple, we're going to undertake uh, some, some training of the mind. And that training will help us to, to guide our looking, to guide our investigation into what we're doing, who we are, what the nature of existence, or what the Holy Grail is all about. Or if you don't like the word Holy Grail, you can call it uh, enlightenment or something like that, awakening. It's all the same. So these trainings that we will undertake, there are three trainings. And the first is a training of our speech and our physical actions so that we can live as a group in harmony. And uh, as you might have noticed on the news or in your own life, it's very difficult for 25 people to live for three days in harmony. It's hard for two people to live for a day in harmony, let alone 25 for three days. So it's really, uh, so that we can get the benefit of our time and the support of each other in this endeavor, there's some agreements that we need to understand that we will keep with each other here. And these agreements contribute to our being able to live in a group, community, in harmony, with a sense of respect and care for one another, for ourselves and for one another. And these agreements are none other than the precepts, the basic agreements of an expression of care for one another. And these agreements are to not harm ourselves, each other, or any other being, any other creature that we share this place with, to let them live their life without harm. Secondly, to not take anything that isn't given. We are guests here on earth. And we need to be considerate of what we take and what we use and how we do it. And that means being respectful of each other's property and of this place, this retreat center, and every other thing here. Thirdly, is to undertake a uh, commitment to the truth, 
to to willingly acknowledge to ourselves our commitment to tell the truth when we speak. Most of the retreat will be in silence. There'll be the opportunity for questions and uh, answers and some discussions. Uh, and please, in during that time, if you speak from your experience, it will be the truth. Whatever your experience is, is the truth. <clears throat> but for the most part, we'll remain silent. And this silence is to uh, engender and to foster a sensitivity to ourselves and each other. And consider how many days of your 30 or 40 or 50 years you have actually been silent. Has there been one day in your life when you have been silent? It's difficult to be silent. But it will really help to, to uh, sustain the harmony, to create this feel and a sense of community uh, by being silent here and by telling the truth. And fourthly, <clears throat> to undertake an agreement for the period of time that we're here to refrain from expressing our sexual energy to each other in any way, whether it's through look or touch or word or any other way that you have. Hmm? To just keep that energy to yourself and discover its true nature. And lastly, or fifthly, to undertake an agreement or to understand that we are all here to take a look at the mind and the body as clearly as we can. And for that, we need a clear mind. And for that, we need to put aside the use of drugs or intoxicants of any kind, other than prescription drugs, if you have any. But to uh, refrain from using any type of uh, stimulants or psychedelics of any sort, alcohol, anything that might cloud the mind in some way. In that way, if we, if we can all agree to these five uh, precepts, to not harm, to not take what's not offered, to tell the truth, to refrain from expressing uh, sexual energy, and to not use intoxicants, then we can all trust that we're all living in that way and create a very harmonious um, community here. We can really feel at ease with one another. And that ease and harmony is really conducive and supportive of the tranquility and the opening of the mind. It really helps to settle the mind and to allow the mind to open to what is outside of our secure, safe palace. <clears throat> it's helpful in, 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 in their time here to generally slow down, to just move in a, in a, in a much more careful uh, pace. There's nowhere to go for three days. There's really nothing to do. The meals will be served on time, and they'll be nutritious, and the day will just go by. There'll be some sitting and some walking. What's the hurry? So as much as possible, if you can slow down, 
uh, you will be able to notice more of what's going on in your experience. Very helpful. And also to, to help the mind settle down and to, to come to some tranquility and clarity, it's helpful to not read. If you have brought any books uh, with you, um, please just put them aside for these, these couple of days. You have plenty of time after the retreat to read any books that you, you need to read. And it would be really conducive to letting the mind um, settle down and discover its own nature without putting other people's ideas into it. And because we're like-minded here, we're all here for the same reason, to discover, to wake up, to look carefully and deeply below the surface of things, to see what the nature of being human is. And we can really take refuge in this community. We may see someone doing something that we wouldn't do, or we may see something doing something that we don't understand, but please understand then that may be their way of investigating their truth, of coming to know their own experience. Whether it's walking fast or talking to me or walking slow or whatever it is, that's their way of doing it. So we can take refuge in the fact that we're all here doing the same thing, like-minded community. practices that we do here will be a sitting practice and a walking practice. And practice, I say practice, it's practice being uh, present. Practice being present with what's happening when we sit and when we walk. And I'll offer instructions in the morning. So if you can come to that sitting uh, promptly, then you'll get the instructions at the beginning of it. And there'll be opportunity during the day for um, questions, if you have any questions about the instructions, or about your experience. Now, most of us have done some sort of spiritual practice or meditation practice or relaxation or something prior to coming here. And those practices are all well and good in their own time and with, their, with your own teacher. But for the time of being here, I would ask that you consider and, and put aside those practices for now and to, to undertake the practice that I teach or that I can guide you in so that you can get a good sense of it for yourself. You can really see how this practice works for you. And I feel confident that whatever confusions or questions or experience you have, I'll be able to... Uh, guide you skillfully uh, with it. But if you do other practices, I may not be able to understand what is happening. And so I would ask that you please put them aside without judgment, without judging them as better or worse or in any way. They're all well and good in their own time with those teachers. But I haven't had the experience of many of those practices and wouldn't know how to guide you.
Sometimes when people come on retreats, or sometimes even before people come on retreats, or sometimes after people have done a lot of retreats, uh, the question comes to their mind, why bother? Why bother to meditate? Why bother to look, to discover? The first reason or the first uh, benefit of this type of practice is to begin to open our minds and bodies to experience that we are not familiar with, to open to our fears, our joys, our frustrations, our disappointments, and to let the body that holds so much tension and anxiety, to let that begin to open so that we can feel a wider range, a broader range, and a greater sensitivity of experience in the body and the mind. In that opening, we need a lot of patience. We just need to be very careful and tolerant and patient with what comes. It's a slow process of opening the body, opening the mind, and we need to let it proceed through its own design, however that is. And in that opening, in that patient, careful, observing, and letting the body relax and open, and the mind relax and open, we begin to see for ourselves what is going on. We begin to see more deeply into the uh, nature of this existence. And it may be very mundane, it may be very uh, extraordinary, but we begin to see for ourselves. And it happens that sometimes the openings are into unfamiliar experience. The body, the, the aches and pains and tinglings and whatnot in the body, or the range of emotions and memories and thoughts and feelings in the mind is a little unfamiliar. And we may get frightened, and we may get anxious, and we may get frustrated, and we may be disappointed, and we may have a whole range of reactions. The practice of careful observation allows the mind to come into balance, to begin to open to the full range of experience in a balanced, graceful way, where we develop some sense of the rhythm of our life and the rhythm of our experience of mind and body, and where we can open to it and allow the mind to traverse these unfamiliar terrain in a balanced, gentle way. So we practice to open the mind and to bring the mind into balance, into a poise and a sense of uh, graceful, gracefully being with what we open to. And thirdly, in that opening, in that balancing of the mind, we can begin to discover the truth.
begin to discover what is now unknown to us, begin to discover what exists outside our safe and secure palace, to begin to discover the extent of the realm we live in. During these couple of days, I'll give a few talks like this. I'll answer some questions, give some instruction. And all of that information and knowledge is helpful, is useful, to help guide you in your own process of discovery. What you actually discover about yourself, the nature of the body, the nature of the mind, is far more important than anything I'll say. You don't need to memorize or learn what I say merely observe and know your own experience. That's where wisdom lies. In that experience, in that knowing of your own body and mind in each moment, there's freedom. There is the truth. It is the truth for you in that moment, and that's where freedom lies. Take refuge in your experience of the truth. It may be different than the next person. It may be different than me. But it is your experience. It is your truth. Take refuge in it. There is no other place for you to be at that time. So whatever your experience is, is okay. It's what you are meant to be experiencing right now. Whatever it is, whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, is insignificant. But trust that what you are experiencing is what you need to know. We're not trying to make anything happen here. We're not trying to create any special effects. We're not trying to fulfill any obligations or duties, responsibilities, we're not performing for anyone. So if you have an agenda in your being here this weekend, trying to get some experience to attain those jhanas I talked about last night, or whatever, please put that agenda aside. It's just a big burden that you don't need. And allow yourself to just be here and discover what's already happening without any agenda, without any creation of any expectation. Just being here in a very fresh, observant way. Krishnamurti again says, when the mind is still, tranquil, and not seeking any answer or solution, neither resisting nor avoiding, it is only then that the mind is capable of perceiving what is true. And it is the truth that liberates, not our efforts to be free. When the mind is still and tranquil, not grasping or clinging or resisting and fearing anything, and then we can get to the truth. And then we can discover freedom. And then we can step outside of that palace forever and live in the realm of the mind, 
the fully open mind. Wonderful uh, fellow in India, a few years ago, had this to say. His name was Maharaj. He said, all you need is already within you. Only you must approach yourself with reverence and love. Self-hatred and self-distrust are grievous errors. Your constant flight from pain and search for pleasure is a sign of love you bear for yourself. All I plead with you is this. Make love of yourself perfect. Deny yourself nothing. Give yourself infinity and eternity and discover that you do not need them, for you are beyond both. That's the extent of the realm of the mind, beyond eternity and infinity. So here we are in this place of solitude and in, in, in this sanctuary of solitude, uh, taking refuge in that seed of understanding that brought us here, taking refuge in our experience of the truth in each and every moment, and taking refuge in this community of like-minded individuals. Welcome to this magnificent journey. T.S. Eliot puts this type of uh, exploration, this type of discovery in wonderful perspective when he says, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring shall be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. We're not going anywhere. We're just getting here. And then we'll know it for the first time. So, Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.